0: everyone, welcome back to Take to Take. My name is Luke Burroughs, joined by Nick Robinson and Patrick Talon. We are 41 minutes out from 3 p.m. Eastern on sir. Monday, April 12th. That is deadline day in the NHL. Yes, there have been maybe too many trades going on in the past few days, leaving today somewhat quiet, but that's okay, because we can touch on just about everything that ha- has happened since our show about 48 hours ago. And let's get right into it because a few minutes probably after we cut following our last show, uh, there was a trade just like just like Nick kind of predicted. So let's get started. The first trade that we are going to go over involves the Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres. The Panthers acquire defenseman Brandon Montour from the Sabres in exchange for a third round pick. A minor trade it kind of points to the direction Florida thinks they're heading. Patrick, what do you think?
1: I don't like Brandon Montour that much, if I can be completely honest. Uh, he's kind of an offensive defenseman, but still kind of struggles. Obviously, they had to look for something when Eric Aaron Eckblad went down. Um, I th- I'll see how he fits. I know the non analytics guys love him because he has that perceived offensive and gritty value, but I don't really see it. And I think if that's your if that's your Ekblad uh, replacement, then I don't think it's a it's a good fit.
2: Yeah, my best uh, description of Brandon Montour would be just a guy that plays professional hockey because I'm not sure what he brings to the table offensively, defensively, on the penalty kill or on the power play. Um, at least from publicly available metrics, it's it's pretty bad value at all points. Yeah. And like you said, Patrick, if that's who you're replacing Actblad with, who was having a fantastic season before yeah. he got hurt, yeah, it's not great for the Florida Panthers. Luckily, a third-round pick is... You know, it's not much. I'm glad they didn't go something like a first or a second round pick. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm not not huge on that move for Florida, especially because some of the other defensemen that were traded that we'll get into, I think would have been a better fit.
0: Well, let's get into some other defensemen. If we're talking about defense going to the state of Florida, this tricky little maneuver executed by three teams here. And I'm just going to kind of read out the... End result, the Tampa Bay lightning acquire defenseman David Savard from Columbus, also involving the Detroit Red Wings. Lots of cap retention here. Columbus receives, and correct me if I'm wrong, Columbus receives a first and a third. And And then then San Jose
1: gets the fourth.
0: Detroit. Detroit.
1: Yes. Yes, For being the broker, yes. Sorry.
0: Yeah, okay. Kind of raise some... Alarms around certain fan bases about cap circumvention, but we'll get into that. Uh, Nick, I will start with you if you're talking about uh, strong defenseman David Savard was maybe the number one in that slot going into this trade deadline. Yeah. I like the move for Tampa Bay. You know, it's
2: a, it's an expensive price, but that's the premium you pay for a good defenseman at the deadline historically. And I think he's going to fit really well with the lightning and they are looking scary. Good going into the playoffs again, especially when they get a healthy Nikita Kucherov back in the fold. But I do like the deal uh, for the lightning and the, there, there is no cap circumvention here. I think it's just smart management on all parts. Good for Detroit to get involved get themselves a pick just for essentially buy themselves a draft pick here. I think that's a smart move.
1: Yeah. Again, uh, cap circumvention seems to be the theme on Twitter. Uh, Julian Briesbar maneuvers around the cap really, really well. And this is just another example of him doing that. David Savard, one of the better defensive defensemen, doesn't offer anything else. He is just really good defensively. And, you know, they added Bogosian last year and he fit in really well. And I think adding depth guys like that in case you have injuries, you can't go wrong. And I like, I like this move for Tampa
0: Bay. I agree i think uh, i think tampa kind of pulled off what i would have liked to see florida do uh, i've talked about it with taylor hall who we'll also get into but yes. i i think florida really needs to make a run right now uh, no one was really expecting uh, them to be in the position they're in but they're looking good as well let's move north to the one and only montreal canadians another uh exchange involving the detroit red wings the canadians acquire defenseman john merrill for a fifth and forward Hayden verbeek Patrick. How are we feeling? Okay. Uh, here we go on
1: it's on it's sorry on its own. It's a fine trade. There is nothing, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable trade, but again, it's the story of a lot of Mark minus trade where the trade's fine, but you kind of wonder what the point of it is in the big picture. Um, as far as losing the pick in Hayden Verbeek, I think that's perfectly fine. Hayden Verbeek wasn't getting a lot of chances on a pretty uh, stacked Laval Rocket team. As far as John Merrill goes, I like John Merrill on his own. John Merrill's a good defensive defenseman on his own, and we talk about defensive defenseman on this show. He actually is a defensive defenseman because he's good defensively. He's not a he's not a perceived shutdown guy uh, like the Edmondsons and the Charotts and the Webers that that Montreal claims to. They think they have, and it is a shutdown guy. John Merrill is actually a shutdown guy, so I think that's a perfectly fair price. Um, Big picture, though, I don't see the point of it because you're adding to a defenseman, a decor that already has players that are just like John Merrill or to some extent kind of like him. And again, I don't get it big picture, but on its own, I think it's a perfectly fine deal, and um, Merrill's pretty good. I know Nick likes Merrill as well.
2: Yeah, I like the player. I like the price that Montreal paid, but I – still do have questions about the fifth. I think Montreal probably need a bit more mobility on the back end as opposed to another um, really sound defensive guy. So I may have looked elsewhere, but uh, just on the surface, if we're going to evaluate this as a hockey trade, just for what it is, I think it's a good deal for both parties.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I would, um, I would agree with you guys. I, I, there's no question, and Pat, you've made it abundantly clear about uh, Montreal dealing with their uh, defense. Yep. Is this the answer? Probably not entirely, but, I mean, it can't hurt, supposedly. No, that's true. Moving on to another Columbus Blue Jackets, and we're going we're gonna to talk about Columbus in a moment here because they've made some moves that, again, kind of signal the direction they're heading in. But Toronto Maple Leafs made a deal. Uh, they were in on Taylor Hall didn't end up happening the Leafs acquire Nick Foligno of the Blue Jackets and Stefan Nosen, pardon my pronunciation from the San Jose Sharks another three-team deal in exchange for a first a fourth to Columbus and a fourth to San Jose the the first and the to Columbus and the fourth to San Jose are 21 the fourth to Columbus is at 22 the core of this deal is Nick Foligno. Obviously, again, lots of talk about Taylor Hall to Toronto, but instead, Toronto gets a a, a strong defensive. He'll he'll grind it out for the Leafs. He's not going to put a lot of pucks in the net, but to be fair, that's not what Toronto needs right now. Uh, Nick, do you think um, do you think this is enough? Can we can we just label the Leafs the Cup champions right now?
2: I wouldn't go that far um, to label anybody the cup champions, but uh, I like the player. I like Nick Felino. I think he's got really strong defensive metrics and has been, you know, effective for Columbus for, I think he's been there like nine years or something now. Um, and, you know, of course, very well experienced and a good leader, and that's going to get a lot of praise from people and has, I'm not too certain. I like the price that was paid by Toronto. Uh, first is a lot to give up for a player like Nick Felino, who doesn't score that much or and hasn't been this year or last season. Um, so that's probably the only place I'm really skeptical. I know there's questions about his fit with the Maple Leafs. I'm not sure where they're going to slot him. He seems like a guy that could play anywhere in Toronto's lineup essentially. But, um, you know, I, I probably still, if I was Toronto would have targeted more of a scoring option as opposed to a defensive one. Um, like Nick Felino, just to sort of bolster their front two lines.
1: Patrick? Yeah. Uh, look, there are kind of two ways you can look at it. As far as who, who got max value from their assets, it's 100% Columbus. Um, heading in that rebuild direction, getting another first-round pick, I think Nirmal kept the line and assessed the situation in Columbus very well. And I think heading into that rebuild or partial rebuild, reset, whatever you want to call it, I think that's really good. And getting a first for Nick Foligno um, is excellent. As far for Toronto we know that Felino is not worth a first round pick, not even close. That is an overpay. I don't think that much is up for debate, but to sort of understand Dubas's mindset in this, Felino helps Toronto win now more than that first will. And I also feel like making Dubas making the trade he made last year, getting the first round pick that became Amirov, getting Hollander, getting those guys in a deeper draft makes it easier to lose a first rounder this year because the draft is somewhat of a crapshoot. That being said, that's a steep price to pay for a gritty guy. But um, again, the talk of Toronto, whenever they've lost to Boston was um, it wasn't the scoring. It wasn't the talent. That was lack of, that was the issue. It was uh, being able to grind out wins, having guys uh, who weren't quote unquote soft players and maybe Dubas was, was looking towards that and getting some grit, um, grit for his team. So,
0: so the, the price is definitely an interesting point. And again, when we, when we get to the hall trade, we'll be able to look at, the price for some of these players because there is uh, there is some variance there's not necessarily consistency following what started this with the Palmieri trade but a lot of people are saying in Toronto's case they're a shoe in for the final four which is I don't know I think Winnipeg's pretty good but you never know a lot of people are saying Toronto's a shoe in for the final four if you're basically guaranteed to get that close to the cup you might as well just go for it which is a valid Mm -hmm. opinion right This is
2: their best chance. I think, Uh, you know, that's why they made these moves. That's why they've gone all in. It's because this is the clearest route to the final four that they will ever have. Yes. Um, They're, you know, by far, they've proven to be by far the best team in a considerably weaker division than they normally play in. You know um, if they were in the regular Atlantic division, they'd be competing with Tampa Bay and Florida right now. And they're looking at a pretty tough, Um, matchup in the first round again. Whereas here, you're going to get Montreal or um, Edmonton in the first round, most likely. And, you know, that matchup favors them a lot more. And, you know, everything seems to be going right for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their trajectory seems to be going back upwards. They're getting good goaltending finally with Jack Campbell. Um, Their defense seems a lot more solid. So that's why you add a player like Nick Foligno. That's why you sort of maybe look over what the price is uh, for the future and you just pay it because this is the best chance they're going to have. And, you know, once it gets to that final four, it's essentially anybody's game. Yep. Again, I'm not so quick to label them the favorites uh, for the Stanley cup. Still. I think there's still a couple other teams out there that are better on paper, but this is the Leafs' shot. And I think it's a good time for them to take it.
0: So let's talk about Leafs goaltending because Kyle Dubas was up late last night the Leafs acquire goalie David Riddick from the Flames in exchange for a third round in 22. Not sure a lot of people were expecting this one. The Leafs' goaltending has been interesting this year. I don't want to say bad because it it hasn't necessarily been bad. You have Freddie Anderson, who certainly has been playing uh, up to par, but then you have Jack Campbell, who just set a Leafs record for most consecutive wins or something silly like that so acquiring David Rick it's for a third round too next year it's not it's not a it's not a terrible move is it a necessary move I'm not sure because again not a lot of people were expecting it Patrick with with Anderson Riddick Campbell what what do you see the the Leafs motive here with acquiring uh, a very good goalie within David Riddick
1: that's what I'm reading on Twitter. And I think all the replies aren't, this is a good move. This is a bad move. It's what's the point of this move. And I think there's a lot we don't know about Freddie Anderson's injury. They've been extremely quiet on that front. Not really disclosing what it is, if it's something serious or not. And now he's on LTIR. I think it was confirmed right, Nick, that he was put on LTI. We were talking about that earlier today. Yep. I'm assuming he's on the way out. But at the same time, they still have the space right now where they could go in maybe with three goalies in the the playoffs. I'm not really sure uh, what his timeline is. I honestly think if they don't know his timeline, which I think is clear, then getting Dave Riddick to to back up um, Jack Campbell, who's been hot in case Jack Campbell flops, because that's certainly a possibility despite his strong play. But I'm not really sure. And I think as, as far as Calgary goes, I think they realize they're not in a position to contend or it will be really close. And I feel like This isn't them blatantly selling, but it's them maybe taking a look at getting some picks and seeing how the next couple of weeks play out. So um, I think it's good for Toronto. Uh, Again, it just raises more questions about Freddie Anderson, and I can't really answer that because, again, we don't know what's happening with
2: him. Okay, You see, that's actually where I think I'm different on this trade. I get why the Leafs did it, I think, more than I get why they acquired David Riddick specifically. I think we're seeing a sort of theme here where, a lot of contending teams are loading up on goaltenders just because people look at what happened to Colorado last year in the bubble and, you know, injuries culminated and they were eventually stuck with Michael Hutchinson in net and, you know, Hutchinson was fine in the playoffs, but, you know, having that elite goaltending presence sort of ruined Colorado's chances of winning a Stanley cup last year. So I get why the Leafs went out and acquired another goalie. I just don't think David Riddick's that great of a goalie. I, you know, he had his, a 904 save percentage this year. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure offhand what is like goals saved above expected is, but most people I would say are labeling him as a backup. At least yeah. I would say he's probably an average to a below average backup. He's definitely not an elite backup, nor is he a starter. Um, so that that's pretty much my analysis on Riddick himself. I get why the Leafs did it, but I don't know. I don't know if there was a better goalie that could have possibly been out there other than Riddick. Yeah,
1: I think, I think I get why I get why they did it, but it doesn't make sense. It, whatever's happening with Freddie. I think a lot of people are concerned because they're not really sure what the, what the big picture is here. And um, I saw some people talking about it. And I'm sorry, Nick, uh, the hamburglers run in 2015 on the hot run. They made the playoffs in the first round. He didn't play after the first two games because of, Uh, Montreal beat them and having that backup that could very well happen with Campbell Um, could not, he could continue this hot streak. I'm not really sure. I don't know how goalie regression works, uh, but he's, he's proven me wrong. That's for sure. I didn't think he was ready to take on the starter role and he has. So it's just a good insurance piece. And again, for Calgary, I think they're sort of realizing maybe we're not going to win this year.
0: Yeah. I, I I would say that's kind of the acknowledgement from the flames at this point, next up. Uh, I'm going to kind of group these together because I, and I'll I'll ask you, Nick, but I think they're kind of all um, dependent on each other. First up, the Bruins acquired defenseman Mike Riley from the Senators in exchange for a third rounder in 22, and then the Islanders acquired defenseman Braden Coburn from the Senators for a seventh round in 22, and then not a trade, but... Met Victor Mete was placed on waivers yesterday. It was announced today at noon that Ottawa had picked him up. Your thoughts on these trades, Nick? Does Ottawa pick up Mete without making these trades after they saw Mete get placed on waivers yesterday? Do you think that's why they made these trades? Go ahead.
2: I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, cashing on Mike Riley. They didn't get you know a third round pick. Isn't too much of a like thing to celebrate. But, you know, he was a, I think they gave up a fifth and an HL prospect for him. So turning that into a third round pick, uh, over a year later, I think is tidy value. Um, and you know, Mike Riley was having a really, really strong year unexpectedly for the senators this year. And I think he's a good fit with Boston. So I understand why they did it. Um, Braden Coburn is addition by subtraction because he just wasn't a fit at all with the senators on the blue line. And that one is just typical. He won a Stanley cup last year. So um, of course, a GM like Lou Lamrella, who values that is going to go out and make the trade. So um, I, I like that for the senators, just moving him out, getting him away from their defense core. And then, you know, replacing Mike Riley essentially with Victor Mete for free. I think that's, you know, that's an excellent move from the senators. I think Mete uh, could be, probably as good as Riley is right now. Um, And at 22 years old, it definitely has potential to be better than Mike Riley is. So if you're, you know, trading away a blue liner and then adding another one for free, who's young from a direct rival, I think that's, you know, really, really strong business by Pierre Dorian. And I don't say that often because I think his asset management for the most part is extremely weak, but I think this is, you know, this is a really good series of moves here. And I think the Senator's blue line is definitely better today than it was yesterday.
0: Patrick, you have any insider tips on Victor Mete?
1: I have some thoughts on Victor Mete. And I was listening back to our our deadline episode last year where I gave... Full credit to Pierre Dorian for how he handled the deadline. Nick's right. His asset management is questionable at times. Uh, His drafting is somewhat questionable, but last year's deadline and this deadline, he's maximizing value for players getting assets and getting picks. And, um, you know, Mike Riley, funny enough, I thought would be a decent fit on Montreal at a relatively low cap. hit. he's someone that can move the puck. He had a really good year in Ottawa for whatever reason, his numbers went up big time. He had like, he has more points than Weber this season. So he was having a good year, move on from him, get an asset, get Mete for free. It's, it's, uh, it's good for him. And as far as Montreal putting Mete on waivers, I, uh, I mentioned it earlier today, but at the beginning of the year, Bergevin waived Juleson because he was worried that Mete would get claimed. And then now Juleson ended up getting claimed he's playing in Florida. And then they, wave him bring in john merrill and now Mete gets claimed it's just weird asset management from bergevay and you know is a really controversial defenseman on the habs um they don't value puck movers as much they value guys who can box players out and because Mete struggled to do that from time to time um they wanted to move on so um i wish Mete the best and i, I think he's going to do really well in ottawa i think any three, he's really fun on three on three too, Nick. When they were against Edmonton, he blew by a bunch of their guys and seeing some sort of stutzel Mete combination would be really fun.
2: Yeah, no, I I know DJ Smith isn't a big fan of the small defensemen. And now he's got two guys that are pretty, pretty small in Brandstrom and Mete on that left side. But from a pure just value standpoint, I think think it's excellent. I'm not sure how DJ Smith feels about it just because of how much he likes big hitters. But, uh, you know, the analytics community, I think is going to, appreciate that a lot more than the um older hockey men and just luke quick bit of news here maybe we can get your immediate reaction uh elliot friedman just tweeting that vancouver has extended brandon sutter shut
0: the f- fudge up don't that do real? that real
2: yeah that's real that's that- oh my god i saw a tweet oh okay earlier. okay sorry that's from mr booth oh, oh geez, my god. god he changed oh it oh my to god elliot <laughs>
0: wow nick up mr booth live on air the most
1: the most emotion luke has shown on this show because
0: i saw i saw a tweet earlier today saying i hope this god at trade isn't so vancouver can extend sutter but
2: oh my god at least for now we're good that's gonna be such a good cut of this pod oh Oh, man man Man. that's so good
0: (laughs) okay so okay a little near a heart attack good time for a break or what yeah i think we need to take a breather when we come back a jeff carter trade in 2021 could it be true yes it is uh we'll be back after this short break stay with us okay so in that two minute break we've we've got some action going on before we get to jeff carter There is a Sam Bennett trade in the works supposedly to the Florida Panthers, which I am psyched about. Obviously there is no return yet and we will circle back when we do hear a return, but anything that gives Florida a push, I am all for. And Patrick, do you want to
1: mention what's going on?
0: Well, two seconds ago, I was getting mad
1: at Bergeman for not making a move. And now, um, Eric Gustafson to Montreal. Per Elliot Friedman, I'm anxious to see the return. Uh, I was texting my roommate. He said that sounded that looked a lot like Goodbranson, and he got really. Y- you upset. sure he doesn't
2: mean Eric Goodbranson, not Eric <laughs> Gustafson? You sure? Um, yeah. Is sure.
1: Man, but that threw me off guard for a second. Look, what's he making? Sorry, continue, Luke. This is I'm just a little
0: No, that's okay. Yeah, so we will we'll wait for returns on Bennett and gust of sin pat has already claimed he likes the gust of syndio even though i know
1: i don't mind gust of sin as okay. a player i'm anxious to see the return
0: as we all are but we will all have our twitter feeds open i'm sure uh jeff carter is heading to the pittsburgh penguins in exchange for what is written as conditional draft picks in 22 and 23 whatever the heck that means but I'm not sure if you guys saw it, an interesting interview with Brian Burke, who said he was he was quite blunt about it. He said no, no need to sell the Pittsburgh Penguins on anyone because they're the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that is fair enough from Brian Burke. He's obviously on the on the downswing, but Jeff Carter is still Jeff Carter. Uh, his his numbers speak to that well. Nick, I mean the Pittsburgh Penguins are an interesting team. They're they're still good as long as they have Crosby and Malkin but they're not as good. What do you think Jeff Carter adds to that team? I'm not sure what Jeff Carter adds at his age. He hasn't been
2: great the past year and a bit in LA. I think he's definitely starting to age. Um, The legs are starting to go for him a bit, but you know, of course always around this time of year experience is um, there's a premium put on it. And, you know, Jeff Carter is showing that, that even at his age with his contract, he can still be moved. Um, And, you know, Jeff Carter himself is he's an okay player, I guess still at this age, but I'm not sure the fit with Pittsburgh again, because um, I was looking at this yesterday when the deal was made and they have whiffed considerably on third line centers and third line players in the past few years. uh, They took a stab at Derek Broussard one year as a rental when they brought him in from the senators. Didn't work out. They tried Alex Galchenyuk for a while didn't work out Nick Bugstad didn't work out so I think Jeff Carter is just another shot at trying to get somebody to work further down in the lineup um I don't like it just because um Jeff Carter has a year remaining after this one so that's probably the part where I'm a little confused on it because it is a big ticket um you know he's just under three mil after the retention um but still, I think that's that's a bit much for a team that's constantly
0: cap-strapped like uh, like Pittsburgh is. Uh, Pat, anything on Carter? Or we have the um, Sam Bennett return ready to go? We have the
1: Sam Bennett return if we want to do that real quick. Um, let's see. Bennett to Florida for a second in 2022 and Emil Heineman, who was taken in the second round last year, that's basically Bennett for two seconds. Uh, it seems like a little bit of an overpay for um, the Florida Panthers. I wouldn't Give up that for Bennett. I, Bennett I
0: would say to an to overpay play. for Bennett right now, but I I I don't know, I mean he's he's getting up there in age, but there's a time where that would have been a, a fair trade, oh, I yeah. think. But yeah, that's that's tricky to say if if that's just the player Bennett is or that's just Bennett struggling in Calgary. And
1: and per Renaud Lavoie, Gustafson to Montreal for a seventh rounder in 2022. I don't know if that's okay so you can't that's the real renaud relovois but a seventh rounder look at us
0: being so cautious about fake accounts
1: no but if that's for a seventh that's a fantastic deal but i don't know if that's i don't
2: i don't i don't know i don't think that highly of gustafson i think he had the one really good year with chicago where he had 60 points but he's climbed down considerably since that um again it's a seventh round pick it's not much and flyers retained 50 as well so yeah I, I think i think if you're montreal i think uh letting go of Mete and then giving up an asset albeit a very small asset um for eric gustafson i think is a pretty bad move in my opinion yeah. at least yeah, patrick's like patrick's bamboozled right now Guy, yeah, guy's guys just, his mind is his mind's
0: not on this pod move on to finally a taylor hall trade a taylor hall trade because there's been so many but uh taylor hall and curtis lazar to the boston bruins for andrews bjork and a second this year and this is where i kind of want to get into price because we have the Palmieri trade that happened a few days ago now we have the um Felino trade that happened just a bit prior to this last night and now we have Taylor Hall all for varying prices and they're not identical players but I I think you could say they're all kind of in that same uh caliber of of uh, trade candidates this year but very different prices so this is an interesting return going to buffalo it's uh and and like yeah taylor hall hasn't performed well this year but he's still taylor hall patrick do you think do you think buffalo kind of got fleeced on this one or do you think the price was offset on say the palmary or the felino trade because like if you look back at that palmary trade now that's a that's a really good return the for X100. Palmieri and Zajac.
1: It's an excellent return. I guess Paul Mary has been a lot more consistent through his career and you know what you know what you're getting. You don't know what you're getting with Taylor Hall, as we've seen last year with Arizona, his last year in New Jersey, and then this terrible year in uh, Buffalo. I've seen a lot of people say that it's not a fleece because everyone knew that Buffalo had to trade him and they lost all leverage because they wanted to get assets for him and get younger and all this other stuff. But I feel like you could make the argument about that with with Columbus, who's also kind of not a rebuild, but they're trying to get younger. They're selling off assets as well. Um, I that's not a good look for Kevin Adams. Uh, you look at what Felino got; he got a first, and you're paying more. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think I would say he got fleeced. Yes, that's that's a. Very underwhelming return for Taylor Hall, um, even though he had two goals. He's shooting career low. Um, he still has a lot, of, a decent amount of points. And going to Boston for what Bjork and a second, uh, Bjork's what a middle six winger, third liner, I guess, and a second on a, a mid draft. I I think that's a really underwhelming return. Great for Boston, but I don't like that for Kevin Adams, and I think that's a tough look for Buffalo.
2: Uh, especially seeing what Sam Bennett just got, I think that just you know further dams this trade. From a Buffalo perspective, again, uh, it seems like Kevin Adams' hands were kind of tied in a respect just because Taylor Hall makes a lot of money. His reputation is probably at an all time low. And, you know, this was going to be a very difficult deal to broker for any team. So I'm sure he tried to get as much as he can out of it. That being said, from Boston's perspective, I mean, this seems like a steal, right? Because um, even Taylor Hall at his worst right now in terms of uh, his shooting percentage and scoring, you know, still drives play tremendously well. And I think should fit in pretty good with the Boston Bruins and balance out that top six. Well, they've been struggling lately and uh, they needed to add, and you know, this is as quality of an ad as you can get at this year's trade deadline. So I like the shot from Boston. They got to continue to try and win with the Bergeron Marchand core and, uh, you
0: know, that's another good attempt to do so. They just got to get it together now. So you make a really good point about Sam Bennett, because you could argue that the Sam Bennett return is better than the Taylor Hall return. Could you yeah. argue? Oh yeah. hundred
1: percent. hundred percent. That's not only for debate. Yeah. Out of
0: And I, I don't really like to group Bennett into this, uh, into the, the other three that I mentioned, Felino Hall, Paul Mary, but, all the returns, and, and the trade trade's a bit tricky to look at because there's a lot happening there, but all the returns here are somewhat similar. And Taylor Hall, again, you could argue the best team, out, best player out of those four, he got maybe the worst return. So not a good look for Buffalo at all. It's um That's quite underwhelming after all the hype for Taylor Hall. And that organization
1: it, needs to clean house entirely.
0: It wasn't even the first trade to happen. It wasn't even like no. the hall trade was the, was the price setting trade. It was the third trade to happen. They exactly. knew, they knew what the market looked like and they still went ahead and did that yeah. anyway.
1: Great for Calgary um, getting younger. I feel like they're going to, they could yeah. to blow it up for sure. sure. Yeah, That's a, smart. That's, yeah. That's good.
0: Calgary kind of yeah. understands where they are right now, yeah. which is yeah. unfortunate, but it's good early this morning or before I woke up so maybe not that early. Chicago Blackhawks acquire Adam Gaudet from Vancouver in exchange for Matthew Highmore. Oh boy. Um I thought that was close to noon where you, you weren't awake yet? Ah, Nick. Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, um I'm not I'm not psyched with this. And so okay, kind of two sides to this. One being the Vancouver Canucks just went through a really difficult period. Um, and I, I don't mean the team. I mean, the players just all had, all struggled for a few weeks with the COVID outbreak. Adam Gaudet was definitely one of the more notable players involved with that. He had just come off the COVID list yesterday, I believe. And now he's been traded. Canucks management said that they weren't planning on making any trades, especially due to the fact that everyone had just been through an extremely trying time he goes ahead and makes this trade hockey's a business i get that i'm not saying i'm not saying jim Benning is a total hypocrite for doing that if you, if you have to make a trade make a trade that's just a that's just a minor qualm i have from a more general standpoint this is just not not a good return for adam Gaudet. and adam Gaudet isn't anything special he has massive defensive issues he he just doesn't do well in his own zone and that's a fact but he had over 30 points last year in a shortened season that's it doesn't matter you know how good you think he is 30 points is 30 points and when you trade for a guy like like highmore who has never broken 10 points in his career it just it doesn't make sense and there's rumors going around that Canuck's um scouting specifically sees quality in highmore which obviously i am not in a place to argue with i am not a professional. NHL scout, so that's fine. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm almost happy for Godet. He gets out of Vancouver, where he was struggling. But uh, it's just, it, it's a little bit of a another questionable move by Benning, albeit a minor one. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts on Adam Godet moving to Chicago?
2: Yeah, I think uh, just in terms of the two players swapped, I think Highmore. Um, and Godette, you know, both aren't anything special right now. But I think just on the surface that um, Godette has a much higher ceiling than Highmore. I think Highmore at best is, you know, probably like a fourth line player or a tweener, whereas Godette could probably be a useful top nine forward if he, you know, manages to put it all together. So I think uh, on that basis, I really like this attempt from Chicago to try and get some sort of value from Godette. I love it for
1: Chicago again. And I know we pile on Benning quite a bit, Luke, and I'm sorry, but uh, this is a team that is very top heavy and say what you will about Adam Gaudet. No, he's not the Adam Gaudet we saw in college, but he still offers power play value. He still has a fantastic shot. Um, He was shooting extremely high last year when he had 33 points. That might've been a better time to move him. Uh, He struggled this year, obviously the Canucks have as a whole, but when you have these offensive players, you need a good supporting cast. And even though Godet wasn't great. He was still an option to have. And now you have highmore who is replacement level. Will he be an NHL or people don't really know. Uh, I don't like it for them. Um, but again, pending RFA, you, you clear up a little bit of space. I don't know what, what's high contract status. Is he,
0: uh, 725 and he's on for next year as well. So, so you
1: clear up space kind of hardly. So that's a good yeah. point
0: because the only thing I can think of is straight up. Vancouver wasn't interested in, I mean, he's going to be an RFA when his contracts up, Vancouver wasn't interested in signing him or, um, pursuing that. So I,
2: yeah, I'm not sure what his QO has got to be. That might've factored in. Yeah, it, but,
0: exactly. So, um, that just might have had some wise. effect. Gotet is Gaudette and Vertanen are both players that I can see Vancouver just wanting to get out uh, because they've both they're both in kind of tricky spots where they've struggled, but they're still like you can see potential there. So, of course, um, I don't know. The more I think about it, maybe it's not as bad. But...
1: I think they're going to buy out Vertanen this summer. By the way, I think that's likely.
0: Okay, that's good to know.
1: Three o'clock. Almost 3 o'clock.
0: It's 2.59 p.m.
1: Now it's 3.
0: There we go. Now it's 3 p.m. So.
1: There's stuff that still lingers, that still comes in. Shut down
0: the show. We're done. Yeah. No. Um. There is one more that we kind of want to talk about that we had in our list prior to coming on the show. And that is the Edmonton Oilers acquiring Dmitry Kulikov from the Devils for a fourth in 22. A fourth round pick in 2022. This is... I think this is a good a good trade for the Oilers, who are playoff bound right now. They've never had they've never had strong strong defense, and not to say this totally bolsters their blue line, but it certainly helps. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts?
1: That's a I think that's a reasonable trade. I think that's one of the more just okay trades we've seen today. Kulikov is a really good fit in um, in Edmonton when you have guys like Chris Russell. Uh, getting top four minutes, I think adding a guy like Kulikov to round out that depth is really good, um, along with Nurse and Barry having good years. I think it's a, I think it's a good fit. And for New Jersey to get some more picks, I like it.
2: Yeah, I think Edmonton's, you know, they're going to find themselves in the playoffs. They, I think they needed to add something just to give their they, themselves a fighting chance, right? I still think um you know, they they might go give Winnipeg or Montreal, whoever they end up facing, that'll be a good battle, but I still don't think they stack up very well against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I think just adding a solid, you know, depth defenseman like Kulikov will um, help them, but I'm not sure it puts them exactly over the top in any playoff battle against a team that's better than them.
0: Agreed. Uh, as per usual, Edmonton will be relying on their offensive strength, which is all right, I suppose. That is, that is the end of, of the list we had. And then we, we added a few more in, in um, Bennett and Gustafson. It's 3.02 PM. And as we all know, trades can can keep coming in for the next hour or so really, but while we wait, I, I want to circle back to a team that has made a lot of moves the past 24, 48 hours. And that is the Columbus blue jackets with, um, Savard, Felino, they've tipped their hand at, at where they're sort of heading. I mean, they 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 trade Felino, who again not not a strong offensive threat, but certainly certainly a, a good a good defensive Respected figure. Gritty respect yeah, like exactly it, it was honestly it was kind of sad to see Felino get traded out of out of Columbus. I I don't really like to see to see that happen ever, but obviously uh it's it's sort of a Suggestive of the directions Columbus heading. I, I want to, I'll start with you, Pat, where I'm going to interrupt
1: you actually right now. Sorry. Ben Hutton to Toronto. To you,
2: do you like <laughs> Ben Hutton? Uh,
0: Luke? No, uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, no, not surprised
2: Toronto ended or I'm, I'm not surprised they added a depth defenseman. I think they probably need
0: another body. Yeah.
1: Guy. I know my, my Leafs fan roommate was looking at John Merrill. He thought that'd be a good option for the Leafs. Uh,
0: Ben Hutton is not. I think he's a decent.
2: Honestly, I kind of forgot about killer, it until right now. Guy maybe. Um. Yeah, he's probably a good ad just to have. I don't. I suspect he doesn't play much for Toronto, especially because they've got Sandine waiting in the wings and um, possibly somebody like Lilligren. But uh, you know, I think that's a that's a fine ad. But. Um,
0: I'd like to see. I'll, I'll, I'll transition
2: to back it. to the uh, Columbus discussion. Yeah, sort of that Luke started. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um. Luke, I think Columbus is tipping their hand, sort of. I think uh, you sort of hit it there. I think they're going to go towards rebuild. I think there were rumors today that they might even look at trading somebody like Patrick Lyonnais, um, which was particularly interesting to me. And, uh, you know, I think think that's the direction they're going to head in. I don't think they have a choice, really. There's not enough high-end talent with them, clearly. And some of the guys that they have, like Atkinson, um, are getting older. You know, Seth Jones is out of contract soon. We can sit here and debate how useful Seth Jones actually is, but uh, it's somebody they clearly value there. And he's coming towards the end of his contract. You know, Warrenski's going to be another difficult negotiation in a year or two. Um, and Eric Goodbranson just got dealt to Nashville. That also just happened. Um, the immediate trade reactions.
0: What? Why?
2: Yeah, that's Interesting.
0: Oh, Pat wishes it was Montreal,
1: poor guy. I saw a tweet and it said, because there was all the Eric Goodbranson to Montreal rumors, that was Bergevin leaked that just so Gustafson looked way better once it was announced.
2: Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, that's pretty much how I feel on Columbus. I think they are definitely going to have to tear down and get a couple of high, high draft picks because since what, Rick Nash or Ryan Murray, I think they drafted second overall. Um, Dubois was third overall, but there's never really been that super high end piece yeah. uh, as good as i think dubois is since rick nash really in columbus so i think they're gonna have to you know start to tear things down and just recoup assets because they do have some useful pieces there and i think clearly the writing is on the wall for john tortorella i don't think he's going to be back next season
0: um patrick i'm gonna transition to another team the st louis blues have announced their their dunzo for the day no mike hoffman no vince dunn on the move and yeah. Vince Dunn, specifically, someone you had brought up time and time again. Uh, what uh, what do you think that means for St. Louis? And I'll give this to you as well. What do you think it means for, um, well, actually, I mean, I guess Montreal's kind of kind of made their moves on their defense. So, what do you think that means guess, for St. Louis?
1: Um, I kind of like the idea of staying. Put Mike Hoffman had a slow start, and he hasn't been what they thought. Albeit, he's only on a one year deal. Uh, million. I think there's time for him to turn it around. I think they want to keep the core mostly intact. I think they're still sitting at fifth in the division. I was expecting something. They seem to not value Vince Dunn at a, extraordinarily cheap cap hit uh, Hoffman has not worked out. They have said that they wouldn't mind moving on from pieces like Bozak. I was expecting a trade, uh, a trader to at least get some picks, but. Here, LeBron said they are done for the day for yeah. the record. So yeah. they're not so, moving anybody. So that's it. So I'm, I'm surprised when you asked us, uh, I think it was the Saturday show, Luke, who, a team I thought could make a move or a, a splash. I, th- I really thought it was St. Louis, but guess not.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: St. Louis again, well, I think Barabanov they're just... to San Jose. Sorry, Nick.
2: Yeah, I think I think with St. Louis, um, they're, they're sort of in that awkward window. I think it, it really feels like how they were right before they went on that run and won the Stanley Cup again, where there are pieces there for them. But I'm not sure what they do now to turn this around, because they've sort of, um, you know, at least then they had some good prospects waiting in the w- wings. They had some good young players like Robert Thomas, you could tell was like a big up and comer. Um, and I'm not sure right now what's exactly waiting in the wings. That's going to come and help St. Louis. And I think, um, the Jordan Bennington contract is going to end up being a big mistake as well because he's been pretty poor this season. So I am surprised they didn't try to sell on a guy like Hoffman in this deadline or any other players on their roster, just because I think, uh, their direction or what they want to do. Uh, it's a little confusing for me.
0: Just, uh mentioned some returns it's a fifth for uh ben hutton to toronto back to anaheim it's a seventh in 23 for good branson who is going to be joining his fifth team in three seasons which oh my god uh montreal's done a well. seventh round
2: in 2023 like that's as that's as like obsolete of an asset as you can acquire right ottawa a has round pick in a couple Ottawa's years.
0: done a good job of just kind of cleaning up just, yeah,
2: but I look at Good Goodbranson again. They paid a fifth round pick for him. You know, they still downgraded now on the pick in the past couple of years, right? Um it, Yeah, you know, I, I,
0: and I guess Ottawa isn't exactly strapped for uh, cash in uh, in terms of the cap. So I that's mean, that's
2: that's a lot of money out in Goodbranson. It is it's a four million dollar cap hit. But, yeah. I, I, so I'm interested to see if there's any retention here.
0: Barabanov um, to San Jose again just announced. I don't see a return yet. Again, another maybe it's another... Marlowe. I doubt no, it. I doubt oh, it. I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm job, yeah. bad uh, yeah. joke, swinging and good. miss. Yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't see him moving again. But yeah, another another minor trade. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, there it is. Um, oh, for good Branson, it's Brandon Fortunato and the seventh. Is the return?
2: I'm unfamiliar with Brandon Fortunato.
0: Uh, so am I. The Devils player. are done for the day.
2: This is going to be an interesting segment to listen to all the immediate yeah. reaction as all three <laughs> yeah, of are not live.
0: So it really, I, you know, we're kind of breaking things that everyone's going to know. Yeah, Brandon uh, Fortunato is a ECHL player. So I think
2: it's just a Nashville had to get a contract out of the organization.
0: Anti Suomela in return for Barabanov. Again, very minor. All right. So after our uh, little five minutes of scrambling there. I think we're going to wrap and it's hard to say because I'm sure the that we're not quite done yet, but anything big, if it does happen, if it does trickle in, we will of course cover that in our next episode, but that will, that will just do it for our trade deadline show. It's 3.11 PM. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it didn't sound too hectic listening back to a recording, but that's uh that was a, that's a, a trade more- deadline for you. A more active trade Way deadline than I was than we expecting.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, especially after what happened in the days prior. Um, again, nothing huge, but some interesting moves for sure, especially for contenders. So there you have it. Again, that's probably not it. Not it. So we'll uh, we'll we'll cover that in our next episode. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back later this week with a new episode. Thanks very much. We'll see you then.